This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. Three on the way! Yes! Paul George nails it! For the win! All right, Dunks and Discourse, episode 50, the Corey Maggette edition. And uh, Corey Maggette was a hooper, man. And, uh, he, like, this is a this is kind of a whack story to start this off with, but I remember looking at him when he, like, signed up for Big 3 when the first Big 3 season started, like, three years ago and thinking, like, this man is going to go for, like, 77 points a night <laughs> in the Big 3. And I'm pretty sure he had, like, a terrible, like, he tore his MCL or ACL, like, first week of the thing. But he looked just jacked, like ready to play ball still. So, man, it's it's amazing he wasn't in the league as long as you think he'd be in the league. No, without a doubt. And, you know, it's it's funny because, you know, he played a a good portion of his career with the Clippers. So I got to see him up close and personal. Um, You know, great guy, by the way. Like, have you ever have you ever interacted with him? No, I haven't. No, really great guy. You know, like all, all, uh, you know. All uh, you know, rivalry or whatever you know aside, you know, I always had a, I always appreciated his game. He just, he, he's just like I, I want to compare him to Rudy Gay, and that like, and and they somewhat overlapped, but like mm-hmm. forward who could always get you twenty, not necessarily efficiently, didn't quite fit at the three, didn't quite fit at a four at the four, but like when you watched him play from an athletic skill perspective, it always felt like he could be better than he was. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you know, part of me always wonders when guys come out after one year, you know, would it have been better if they had stayed and developed or, you know, then again, it, I guess it just depends on which franchise you go to, um, you know, to continue that, you know, furthering that development. But, you know, I mean, he, you know, he had a decent career, just the same. It, it, it's wild to me that he played like 14 seasons, and I mean, this speaks to the Clippers organization, and got to play in the playoffs once. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not an indictment that on, on Corey, like not not entirely anyway, but just yeah. Was was man. that 06 that 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 they made? Yeah, that yeah. that brand team. Okay. Hey, you know what? He, he I, I guess he went to the dance once at least. Him. Could, <laughs> so, that was that was low key a really fun team. That was yeah. like baby Sean Livingston, Elton Brand, Tino Mobley, <laughs> Sam Cassell. That was that was a fun team. Was Darius Miles on that squad, or was he before or after? I that? think he was before that. He was before that. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he was on that team. But I remember that's another one of those like iconic covers: the Darius Miles. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quentin, Quentin Richardson, Darius Miles and, doing and that. Is it Corey, Corey McGetty's in there too? Right. It, yeah, it might have been. Might've yeah, been. yeah. I mean, no one's remember it the same way as like this is going to be fun because it's not the same names or team, but it was another <laughs> one of those. <laughs> it, it was a little like that Brooklyn Ness one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what, what, what might have been? Yeah, what, what maybe could have been in everyone's imagination, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, you know, we we talked about Jermaine O'Neal 
when I had Giancarlo on the pod last Wednesday and how he's kind of underappreciated. Brand's kind of like that. I feel like Elton Brand on a nice team could have hooped too. Yeah, I mean, you know, Elton Brand was a, you know, he was a very solid player. Like, I, I never saw him as like the quote unquote superstar type guy. Uh, but, you know, he was the best thing the Clippers had going for quite some time. Once a Clipper, always a Clipper, though, hey, Elton? I mean, <laughs> hey, there you go. Do- Doc's your man, Doc's your man, I guess. Um, Apparently so. Something about blowing a, a record-holding third 3-1 lead really inspired Elton Brand to just make that call, you know? Um, okay, so s- serious question. Do you think that – okay, so I, I know they said, you know, they look forward to seeing what that you know, basically both of those guys can do. Do you think it's it's seriously possible that they're going to just hold, you know, stand pat and hold on to those guys, or is that all just smoke and mirrors? Well, I would love for them to stay exactly as they are, mm-hmm. um, and watch Doc never take them any further than Brett Brown did, just so we could completely relive what he did with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, never <laughs> surpassing Vinny Del Negro. I mean, Doc Doc Rivers, and and I I'm sensitive to the fact that the NBA's leadership at the coaching and executive level does not reflect the the audience that it has nor the players in the league and and i understand that the league needs to do a better job of hiring like in, in diversity like with their diversity hiring on a whole so when doc got let go i think that that was a big no for the league because he was the longest tenured black coach and mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure he was the only black coach tenured more than three years so i I, so. I very much understand that like the optics are bad but what in God's name, has Doc done with the Clippers the last few years that made you think, hey, he's our guy to take two guys who might not fit perfectly and have obvious flaws to the next level? Well, I, I honestly fault like NBA franchises for just not being very imaginative because the truth of the matter is when they were talking about Mike D'Antoni, I, th- I felt the same way. And this is not like a what about situation. I, I like you, am tired of, just, of guys just being retreads. Now, I'm never going to say like, hey, like I'm upset that somebody's getting checks. Get hey, get your money if they if they're willing to hire you, get your money. But I would like to see some new blood and fresh blood continue to you know to work its way in, especially when you can when you consider like you just said, what have they done? What, you know, what has he done with a you know with a considerable amount of talent throughout that tenure? Yeah, man, I would I would not feel good about it. And like alternatively to Mike D'Antoni, wherever Mike D'Antoni goes, he revolutionizes the offense. Now, he hasn't gotten over that hump, but this is a guy who's had multiple guys win MVP under him, who's had historic offenses. If you're going to run somebody back and you're going to take a chance and, like, hey, this is the stop for you, then then D'Antoni's the guy. But I, I just don't understand what Doc Rivers has done to instantly get another job like that. I, I disagree with that uh, because I, I – I, I, and this is not just trying to be argumentative. Like, I, re, I vehemently disagree with D'Antoni you – know, the, the, okay, so he changes the offense, yes. But if you can't get over the hump and your defense generally sucks, if you don't have Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezdelic you know, like in, in the fold, I'm sorry, you are no better. So like, I, I, I'm tired of all of them. Like, I'm tired of all of them con- you know, continuing to just like – because and, – and this is the thing. I, I admit I was annoyed by Dan Tony throughout the postseason because he was na- his name was, being, was popping up while he was coaching. In every single rumor, yeah. Hey, look, ever. you know what? You got great representative, great representation. So, yeah, more power to you. But yeah, when it comes, you know, when it comes to these jobs opening up, I would love to see them, you know, at least consider new guys. Don't get me wrong, my Tony has his flaws, and I think we've had that out over the show. But I can point to three instances: Robert Sarver being cheap with Joe Johnson, mm-hmm. Robert Horry being a prick, and uh, laying the smack down on the Suns, leading to those suspensions, <laughs> and. 
<laughs> and the go- makes me laugh. <laughs> and the Golden State Warriors existing. You know, I, I, actually four, because I'll say Amari Stoudemire being hurt in 06. I mean, that 06 Suns team gave okay, the so- Mavs an honest... Like, I mean, that 06 Suns team might win if Amari's healthy. Who are you pointing at in Doc's tenures? Okay, so he had to make injury. that same argument. He had he had injuries down the stretch with the with those Clippers runs. Almost every single year, there were significant injuries to either either what about this uh, CP three or look. I, I and you're making me defend the guy that I don't want to defend, but like I, we could make well, just, excuses for a lot just, of his just, failures. Just just backpedal and say like I'm not a big D'Antoni fan, but like he's been a better coach historically than Doc Rivers. I I can't. I cannot like the, I, the I 2018 great deal of respect the 2018 for, you know, Rockets are winning the championship if they get through Golden State. Hey, look, they didn't. But six that's a 65 win team. Okay, and they didn't do it. <laughs> I I know what you're saying, but like like wait, I'm just saying I can he hasn't to, gotten it done either. I, I can point to four or five moments with D'Antoni where things were out of his hands, and and I think they could possibly win a championship if the dice goes a different way. I do not think that's the case with Doc Rivers, who's literally been up 3-1 in a playoff series three times and squandered all three leads. Each series with people complaining about his rotations. I just, one of, I one can't, One of those man. times he was a lower seed. I, again, I don't want to defend him because I don't, I do Who think... Who cares if you're the lower seed five. if you're up 3-1? Okay, why are we so why are we so apt to make excuses for Mike D'Antoni? I really don't understand it. And it's I'm not, not apt to make excuses for the man, but like... Also, I wouldn't want to coach Harden or Westbrook either. So, like, I, I guess I'm sympathetic for the guy because uh-huh. I, f- I feel like he's a better coach than, than he's got the rep for right now. I think the love was the, 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 the track was laid up for love for him when he was coaching your boy Nash, and I understand <laughs> that. And no, 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 and, and I actually understand it. This isn't shake. I understand that. So I realize that you know that there's no there, there's no arguing this one. We can just disagree, and that's okay. Shout out to you, Mike D'Antoni. You suck. <laughs> it is going to be funny if, if and when he gets that Clippers job. Oh God! And then, because I just don't know if Kawhi can handle the number of possessions that they might want him to do, and like essentially going to a no point guard situation. I wonder what he would do. And I, I, I don't know what's going on with Ty Lue, and I, I maintain that like. 99% of people talking about Ty Lue on the timeline have no idea how he is as a coach. Yeah, no idea. It, it, it's either like they, they love him or hate him, but like they don't really have a you know legitimate reason you know for one way or the other. Um, I look yeah. at Ty, I, you know I look at Ty Lue as, as as potentially a good fit for like a place like Houston because if there's someone that can look at some look you know look a star in the eye and say hey look this is what it is I would be intrigued to see what Ty Lue could do there. But to be honest with you. I don't necessarily know that there's a you know there's a a great fit anywhere in the league in terms with Harden because Harden is like at least to this point has been dead set on playing the way that he wants to play. So, and same with Russ. I mean, oh, without yeah. that, without question. Without yeah, question. And, I mean, I just I can't see Ty Lue walking in to the Rockets locker room and being like, hey, you know, uh, you, you've walked over other coaches, but you're not going to step over me. You know, I okay. I'm intrigued. Okay. The thing with Ty Lue, though, is that, and, and, and like the Cavs fans who love him will say, like, he 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 raised his tone of voice. LeBron told them to take a seat, and he didn't. Do you know how hard that is to be LeBron's <laughs> boss and not not listen to LeBron the whole time? Like, that's that's the highlight moment of Ty Lue's ten. Like, the Cavs are gonna win. The Cavs are gonna be successful no matter what because it's LeBron James. And 
there were lots of times in those playoff runs where you were like looking at Tyler when you're like, what is this guy even doing? What's mm-hmm. his game plan? You know, is he ever gonna like deviate at all from from Brown Ball? Does he have anything going on? Does this rotation make sense? Can Sean Marion get a few minutes in the 2015 Finals when everybody's broke? I don't know. There was a, there's a few things, but like, <laughs> it is impossible to like differentiate a coach a head coach's ability when they've only had a title contender. And and to the same extent, like agreed. I very much appreciate what Steve Kerr can do from a relationship standpoint, and given. What happened with KD and how Draymond Green is as a human being, I think we can give him props. But, like, if Steve Kerr had gone to the Knicks rather than the Warriors, um, would anyone be talking about how he's a great coach? I don't know, right? Like, I just – people people speak too highly when they don't actually get to sit in the film sessions and see the play-by-play. That's actually a really good point. And, you know, I don't want to take – I don't want to take things away from, you know, from Steve Kerr. And I'm, I know that's not what you're doing either. Uh, but you're right. Like, if he goes to the Knicks and he's with a clown organization and they can't get – you know, they can't get the, you know, proper talent in there and they're continuing to do Nickish stuff, um, you know, chances are he's – well, no, he's absolutely not going – he's not regarded as the same type of coach as he is right now. I mean, this is the first time in, in six years as the Warriors coach where he wasn't in the finals. So, I'm, there's no shade at all. I'm oh, just no. saying. Yeah, yeah. Sure. It's just hard to honestly evaluate. Like, if, if if Steve Kerr did the Billy Donovan OKC thing, which I honestly don't know if that was actually consensual or what they decided to say, like, I, I don't know if Steve Kerr was headed to Chicago how I'd feel about that or what he could do. Yeah, that's real. That's yeah. real. That's the end. Like, yeah. like, I look at Billy, and, you, know, to, you know, to that point, I look at, like, while I always say, you know, like, I don't necessarily know that Billy Donovan is the guy to get you over the hump, I do think the Chicago situation is intriguing. If those guys can stay healthy, I, I'm, intrigued, I'm intrigued to see what, what he can do with that group. It was interesting that that job went so fast, too. Yeah, like it was lined up, ready to go. Like, given given the coaching market this year, that neither side wanted to kind of, like, do some more inquiries. I don't know. Um, I was talking to a friend, and I was like, when is Jay Wright going to come out of Villanova? Because he's kind of like the the NCAA guy that I'd be mm-hmm. interested in right now. And uh, I didn't see this, but he was saying that he... I don't know. He got an interview opportunity or something with the Sixers and said, thanks, but I'm going to stay. Or he's flattered, but I'm going to stay. And, and, like, I respect that, but I cannot imagine coaching NCAA basketball and saying no to the show. I, yeah, I, I, you know, part of me feels that way, but also part of me feels like, you know, sometimes guys just know what their, you know, you know where their lane is. Like, okay, so compare it, like, uh, NFL-wise, right? Nick Saban, NFL coach, yeah, he, you know, he's a serviceable guy, and he's obviously a guy that knows the game, and but he, was, he wasn't necessarily a guy that could get through to professional players in the same way that he feels comfortable getting through and, you know, steering, you know, co- you know collegiate athletes. Um, he's incredible as a college coach, obviously not so much. Maybe, you know, Jay Wright and, you know, other guys like you know Coach K and certain guys like you know Calipari after after going up to the show maybe they realize you know what I think I'm good I think I'm best served to you know be in this in this uh you know arena yeah and I I mean I'm not not speaking about Jay specifically I don't follow college ball enough to even comment on this for anyone particularly mm-hmm. but maybe the the NCAA is the last level of basketball where the coach gets to be a bigger name face and power piece than the player. And yes. maybe that's why a certain dynamic or group of, you know, white male coaches have not never or have chosen to stay there who are always in these rumors. Not to point, you know, fingers anywhere. Again, I'm honestly not doing that. People are like, he's talking about Cal. I'm not talking about Cal. I'm just saying, you no, know, you. The, the NCAA is probably the last, the highest level you can coach where you get to be a bigger name face and have more power than the players. And if that's what's important to you, um, you stay. So I, I, I'm sure that's a factor for some people. 
Definitely, definitely. What what was the old boy that uh, you know? Um, we got some thugs. You know, oh what I'm boy, talking about. yeah. You, you know who I'm talking about. What's his name? Bayheim? I don't. I don't Jim remember. Bayheim? Not Bayheim. Was it uh, Bayheim? No, 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 no. Not Jim Bayheim. It was a dude that was that uh, came from Michigan. Not Michigan. In Michigan State, I think. Uh, was coaching the Cavs for a while. Um, oh, uh, Bellin. 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 However you say it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it makes total sense that he would go back to the college game. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. How do you say his name? John Beline? John Beline? Yeah. John Bellin? Yeah. Bye. Okay. You caught me. Justin Carter, if you're listening to this pod, I've watched like seven Cavs games since LeBron has left. You caught me. I'm sorry. I don't share your optimism and enthusiasm for young Colin Sexton. I'm sorry. Hey, sorry. I'm pretty sure they understand that we yeah. weren't watching. <laughs> we certainly weren't paying attention to a coach that was you know, never really going to work. I, re- I really, really meant to, to check in on my guy, Jetty Osman, and see uh, how that was going, but just never got around to it. But you know what? Shout out to both of them because actually it was it was uh, Justin that actually uh, I found out that it was Jetty in that city. <laughs> that's how oh. that's how infrequently I was watching them at that time. Yeah, no, I, I I watched enough like my seven games. I I knew it was Jetty, but he he was there with Bron. So that's, to be honest, yeah, that's probably no, I, why. No, I know. Uh, okay, we uh, we took a tour down memory lane. We got going on coaches, which is fine because there was news. But NBA Finals, um, Game Three. Man, did that go how you expected it to go? I think you know it didn't go how I expected. It's, no, actually, it did. It it went how I expected in the sense of I knew Jimmy was coming. For one, you knew they were going to give you, and, and it's it is cliche, but it's true that you were going to get their their toughest effort, especially considering they know if they went down three zero, uh, you know, o three, it was you know it, it was over. It's it was over, curtains. Yeah. So I I you know no shock that that Miami came out and played so hard. I will say, you know, it's just as simple. The superstars in LA need to play better. That's not you know it, it, it they they need to play better they need to play smarter they need to be more efficient they need to be more aggressive you know when the, when the situation is there and I think that they will. Um, yeah, and I might surprise you with this. I mean, I won't surprise you with the first part where I say that like, AD's token. I'm not mentally totally checked in game of the mm-hmm. series. He's had one in every series, mm-hmm. and and it was ugly. But mm-hmm. I'm actually more frustrated with LeBron if I'm a Lakers fan after that one. I because agree. Because you know what, like, LeBron was given that, like, Tom Brady scowl, shaking his head at every teammate mistake. And honest to God, LeBron, like, with, with the, I know he's not used to getting back-to-back travels, call him. I know he was like, what's going on right now? I'm on the wrong side of this whistle and I hate it. But, like, the turnovers were out of this world. His inability or unwillingness to switch on screens and actually get out and, and contest shots mm-hmm. was fucking pitiful. Uh, word to Dwight Howard, who was the only guy who moved his feet less on the entire floor. I mean, there was two plays in a row where Jimmy came off 15, 14 feet. One of them was a bank shot where he literally didn't even want it. I mean, he hesitated for like four seconds, and then Dwight never came, and he was like, hey, I'll, I'll bank it. Like, the Lakers' effort in this one just sucked. And mm-hmm. I, I honestly, have, I have no problem with LeBron storming off the floor pissed. But if he doesn't come out and lay the goddamn hammer in game four, uh, he, he can rightfully catch a lot of flack. Well, Josh, I'm going to tell you this. I didn't see that part because, you know, I wasn't watching by that point. I realized once I realized, like, OK, it's not going to happen. I go ahead and I, you know, you know, shut it down. So when I saw that, I had to go back and look. And of course, it's not a good look. But the truth of the matter is everybody whining about it is just whining about it because it's LeBron. And, you know, because ultimately it doesn't matter. 
if he comes out and plays like I believe that he will, like obviously you believe that he will, all will be forgiven. If he doesn't, it's just going to add to it's going to add to the conversation and people will absolutely pile on. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to, you know, diehard fans going to be like, "Why are you reminding me of this?" But like some people don't know. So, um I was saying like on Twitter, I was like, "LeBron is going to come out and put up damn near 50 in game 4. He's going to just mm-hmm. turn on the Jets in game 4." And buddy in my mentions at Orton N Guen Nguyen Gajuen N G U Y E N was like, is there any win, evidence win. Yeah. that LeBron ever responds like this? Okay, Game Five, 2012. Okay, remember he'd ha- he'd have lost in 2011, and they were supposed to win all those championships. The pressure was extremely high. Paul Pierce, it, it actually technically wasn't the game winner. He had a late three to put him up like one with a minute left, and the Celtics end up winning Game Five. Okay. Heater down 3-2. Paul Pierce says after he hits this shot, I got your 5-6-7 right here, bitch. Um, LeBron comes back, flies to Boston at the Garden, <laughs> puts up 45-15-5. The Heat win those two games. Paul Pierce shot 28% in games 6 and 7, guarded primarily by LeBron mm-hmm. James, by the way. And the Celtics mm-hmm. never got to win another series together. Okay? Ever, ever, ever. So Paul Pierce's career after that moment all went downhill. He literally destroyed the man. So if you're wondering why Paul Pierce hates LeBron, that might be part of it. Then, mm-hmm. 2016, LeBron's talking about, you know, the officiating. He's talking about how the Warriors were, like, you know, mm-hmm. taunting and having a good old time. And Clay said that Bron got his feelings hurt <laughs> after game five. What happened? Yes, he did. Cavaliers come back, win the series. First 3-1 lead ever in a... In a um, in finals no history, punch. Braun went for 41 in back-to-back games, had a triple-double to close out in Game 7. Terminate so, Yes, I, I, I very much expect LeBron James to be all-world in Game 4. And if he isn't, I'm going to assume that the ball has rolled down the hill a bit. Because he, can, yes. he could taste it, man. Like, you're mm-hmm. up 2-0 in the finals, you've been in the bubble for months, you're ready to go home, and you're on the precipice of championship number 4, and the Heat aren't whole. If LeBron doesn't come out... Guns a blazing. I I will give a public apology and I'll just say my man Braun is not the same guy he used to be. But I I, I absolutely think LeBron James is going to rain hellfire in Game Four. We're going to see Terminator Braun in Game Four. I don't know what you know what's going to come of the game. You know, like we'll see if the rest of the Lakers you know can step up and you know get back to playing you know uh, the uh, disciplined defensive rotations and things of that and actually act like they want to you know want to play an NBA Finals game. Uh, they should somebody. be fine. Yeah. Yeah, just defend anybody. I mean, you know, yeah. it was ridiculous last night, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cry about that. Um, yeah, I, they should be fine. But if they don't, you know, oof. look, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily worried. I'm not going to just be arrogant and say like, oh, you know, Miami has zero chance because obviously we just saw what can take place if the, you know, like if the, if the exact uh, scenario works itself out. Uh, but I will say, like you, I think LeBron's going to come out and be LeBron. I think AD will be aggressive from the start. I don't expect him to get in the in the foul trouble like he did in this last game. And I think the Lakers will be fine. Yeah. Oh, I. You know what? And this is this is the series that I kind of expected had Bam and Dragic been healthy. Yes. Like I, this is not the series I expected when you know Tyler Hero shooting four of sixteen. And Jimmy Butler's literally having to carry the offense every possession and still no one's guarding him. And for the love of God, man, and this is no shade to the Lakers. This Lakers team is not an all-time team. They are not a great team. And they are not elite defensively. Like, someone was like, oh, Jimmy's doing this against an elite defense. I'm like, 
Are you watching this game, man? Like, they don't even know who's switching. Like, nobody's even coming out to challenge him on what? shots. Like, this, this Lakers well, here, team has played the, it. Norm, normally, they are. But they're not an elite defensive team. But normally, team. they did. Uh, but like, elite. I'm nitpicking. I'm nitpicking. Maybe for the. I know what you're saying. Good, I know what you're saying. But they're like, a very they're not good an all-time defensive, defensive team. team. But no. Yeah, currently, like the way they were defending I mean, last night, which is tr- was just atrocious. Like they weren't even. They're trying. not even. And I'm not. They're and not I'm, even. And not taking taking nothing away from Miami because Miami came out and busted that ass. So I'm, you know, congratulations to them. But the Lakers, that effort was just pathetic. And and I'm everyone, not t- including coaching staff, needs to be on that one. I'm not trying to take away anything from Jimmy Butler, who was fantastic. But there's a reason a guy hesitates that long because he just doesn't expect to be open. And that happened yep. three or four times last night. And he was just busting their asses. And and yep. there was still, there was no change. There was no hustle in the rotation. There was no hustle in the closeouts. You know, Braun was not switching. And I'm like, that's the worst look, man. And I, I it this, the commentary is stupid. And to your point, I this is why I don't care about him walking off the court. Because if there was six seconds left and Braun, you know... Flew down the court and dunked one to cut the lead to four with four seconds left. Everyone would be like, "Oh, he's padding his stats." Like padding his stats, just trying to get Finals MVP. That's like one million percent, what people would say. And so again, be mad. That was a bad performance. I think that's how you should feel as an elite athlete. Like we sucked. We got our asses beat. Jimmy's gonna throw some trash back my way, and now I got to bring it the next game. So as long as he brings it the next game, no harm, no foul. No harm, no foul. Mm-hmm. Um. I like I, I'm more intrigued now for Game Four than I've been for any game in the series, though. So I guess to get that intrigue, there needed to be a punch back. You know, Apollo Creed came down hard in the first two rounds, and Rocky had to throw him back. If if we're being honest, like the series, I was still going to watch, but I was watching because I'm a Lakers fan. Now it's like, okay, this is what this is the series that I anticipated. You know, regardless of whether those guys are back. But I, by the way, I think Bam's coming back for next game. Uh, regardless of whether these guys are back, if they're gonna put, if they're gonna compete like that, I'm here for it. I, yeah, I expect the Lakers to also match that energy or exceed that energy. But either way, I want a battle. However many games we got left, I want it. I gotta say, man, like September is really hard for teachers. This year has been like out of this world hard. But I'm still like the biggest basketball fan I know in real life, not in Twitter. And I was like. I'm just going to watch the finals for the sake of it being the finals, knowing not we're going to have basketball for a while. But mm-hmm. this was like a very unenthusiastic spectating experience for me in games yeah. one and two. Um, three picked up a little bit because things changed, and the Lakers did keep it close enough where I thought, you know, who, who knows, who knows, who knows. I really did think they were going to win heading into the half. But, um, but yeah, now I, I'm intrigued. And it, it's not a thing where, like, I'm hating on the league, but this – it's 2020 man like i just i feel like in general i'm just tired and the world is is different and i I really don't care about the ratings because the bubble playoffs on the whole have been quite good but Mm -hmm. this finals was just anticlimactic with the injuries and i'm exhausted yeah and you know what and and part of that is it just it sucks that it went that way you know part of the reason why it's anticlimactic you know like in general is the choppiness of the season the fact that you know everybody that was invested you know back in february and march or whatever uh you know while yes a lot of us were ready a lot of us were still dealing with all types of you know stuff that's just taking place in 2020 so you know some of the enthusiasm you know wasn't there and and let's also be real heading into the finals you're heading 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 into it it looked like the lakers would win there were some folks out there that were kind of you know jumping out the window 
still, you know, with some silly you know, predictions. But once they were up 32, you know, when those guys were still in the action, of course it was going, it, it was just like, oh, okay. Well, that took the win from all of our sales. Even like even me, as a Lakers fan, I was like, oh, this isn't what I wanted. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll take it. I'll take the Lakers winning by 30 like the rest of the way out. Uh, but it's not what I wanted. So, yeah, like, I, you know, what was great about Game 3 more than anything is it, it was restorative, it, you know, for the, for the fans like us that wanted it to be good and wanted a reason to enjoy it. Uh, and then now, hopefully, now we have it. Yeah, sounds good. I, I, I mean, I think you're right. And I, I think, you know, even even though you're a Lakers fan, you're on the money, which is like, if you're not as a Lakers fan, this is what you were waiting for. Yeah. If you're a Lakers fan, I'm sure you wish you just closed it out in four in the championship and we were planning a parade. But yep. for everybody else, this is this is probably what you needed to hop in and be invested. So I guess in that regard, if people really worried about the ratings, they should be happy. Um, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about a certain Paul Headley tweet. We're going to talk about um, our, our movie, Funniest Rules Ever. But before we do that, a word from our sponsors. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off on wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. <coughs> And the tickle was in my throat, man, big time. Um, coming back, so Paul George, Paul Headley, um, Paul Headley at Paul Headley NBA does a really good job creating a lot of good discussions on NBA. Um, he's probably one of those guys that, like is in my top 100 follows just because he's not in it to be an arrogant dickhead and he's not you know promoting stuff all the time. The guy just likes to talk basketball. Yeah. Uh, he put his foot in it a bit. He had a tweet. Um, I actually don't have it open in front of me, but he basically said, like, you're a hypocrite if you begged on Paul George this postseason and not on Jimmy Butler. Um, it's kind of bit him a couple times, so props to him for keeping it up and, and waiting through. And then obviously last night with Jimmy Butler, you know, having this historic 40-point triple-double on 70% shooting, um, people were, were uh, you know, cold-taking the hell out of him. Yeah. I, I, well, okay, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Admittedly, I, I was one of the folks, but I did not add him because I did, and I didn't quote tweet because I didn't, you know, like I'm not trying to bring that on somebody. But the truth of the matter is, I thought it was a silly tweet to begin with. I disagreed with it, but I also respect where he's coming from. That's his, you know, like that's his guy. That's the team that he follows. So he's probably got, he obviously has more of an investment in Paul George, in, in Paul George being a successful player. But to me, I, I, I made it pretty simple. Like I look at the I look at them as similar players, but like one of them I would I would do anything to get, and the other one I'm glad my I'm glad he uh you know he, he left us hanging uh, last summer. Man, um, I, like I think this is somewhat overstated. I mean, Butler has had several games in the postseason, um, including Game Three against Milwaukee or four against Milwaukee when the Heat um, dropped that one where he didn't look good. I think he had like five points when they closed out Indiana. Um, this is the difference between winning and losing. This is the difference between being on the 0-4 Pistons, where you have four or five guys that are contributing at a high level every night, versus being on, you know, the Clippers, where it's built around two stars that need to perform constantly at the highest level. I, I honestly, honest to God, I'm gonna get flames with. I, I do not think that Jimmy Butler is a significantly better player than than Paul George. 
I don't think he's played overly better this postseason. Um, noting that the game last night against LA is probably one of the 10 best finals games I've ever seen, and he was phenomenal in that game. I think on a whole, um, I, I, I don't think he was significantly better than Paul George. But the expectations are so different given on what the teams need from them. And let me ask you this. Can you see Paul George having that game last night? Be real. In the postseason, in that moment, on the, you know, like as the as the guy, not as the guy standing next to the guy, as the guy. Can you see him <laughs> having that game? I go no. Yeah, you're, okay. you're right. Okay, touche, touche. Okay, so maybe he's a, he's a slight cut above. But I'm just saying, like, if Jimmy Butler, if they swap places, the Heat might still be in the finals. That's how I feel. I feel like with the way that Duncan Robinson has been drawing attention, with the way that Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo were playing, with the way that Milwaukee fell apart, <clears throat> I think it's very possible that they're still there. Do I think that, that Paul George has... You know what, Jimmy Jimmy really does back up the trash talk where like he wants to win, he wants the ball, he wants to compete. Like he'll do whatever is necessary. He doesn't bitch if he gets eight shots. You know, he, he's not worried about the social media backlash on a bad night or a good night. Granted, he hasn't got it. But yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, you know what? In fairness, Jimmy Butler is 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 a slight cut above. Maybe I'm underplaying this some. But I I just didn't. I initially I didn't think the tweet was ridiculous. But you know, when Butler has an all time game like that, people are gonna get you. Yeah, and and this is the thing. Like when I say ridiculous, I mean like just because I'm disagreeing. I'm, that's NBA Twitter. Like Paul, don't take offense. Like you know whatever. If you want to come at me, you can. You know we can do that tango. But don't take offense because I don't mean anything by it. Which is also why I didn't quote teach you and and really lay you out. Um, but the truth of the matter is like like I I think they're similar. I just like you, you know how we have we've had this you know conversation about eighty two versus sixteen. I think both of them are eighty two, but I know Jimmy is a sixteen. I, and, and honestly, I, I I would be being nice by saying, like, I don't know if Paul George is that yet. No, he's not that. If he gets there at some point, that's awesome. I'll be happy because I love the league and I want to see the stars succeed. But he ain't, he ain't that. That's oh, not come him. on. You don't want that for Paul George. Don't even lie. I, no, you, I do. You, I do. You, 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 know. you would be thrilled if Paul George flamed out and never got there. No, no. See, actually, I see, I'm selfish. I would like him to do well and still beat them. That's the thing. I don't. I don't want these guys to be terrible. I don't want them. I don't want them looking at their mentions and, and honestly feeling like shit about their lives. I actually prefer. I actually prefer when fans would stop. Like you saw when when people were getting on Paul George. Usually, I would be all. I would be all. Uh, you know, for that, and I would be you know quote tweeting it and laughing about it. But I was. I was literally like, hey man, it's obvious this has gotten to him. It's obvious he's actively saying he has. And but even with that said. That does factor into whether I would want, you know, Jimmy over him. I, I, I know that Paul George has his number, like, had a large number of, like, fallout games. And this year, like, 2020 sucks. It was an exhausting year. There was everything going on in America. Uh, and his mental health was suffering, and he admitted that. So I, I'm, I'm not trying to let him off the hook entirely. There were some really low moments, especially against Dallas. But, man, like... I also remember games where he went for 35-7-7 against the Heat with mm-hmm. Wade and Braun t- tagging him. I, I remember him absolutely just crushing the Raptors pre-Kawhi with like 39 or 41 points or something and just not having a lot of sports. Like, Paul George is a very good player. And and again, last year, he he wasn't really in the MVP race, but he was, he was pushing the Giannis Harden. He was that third guy for a lot of the year, and he looked... Out of this world. So I, I, I just think people have gone a little... Like, same with Pascal Siakam. Like, people are overreacting a little too much to the bubble games, I guess. 
Well, and and you're 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 right. We always do. And by we, I'm talking about NBA Twitter. Like, yeah, but you but you also know that I'm not saying Paul George sucks. I think Paul George is great. Uh, but you know, for what yeah. he is, he's a really good three and D guy. But like, super athletic. That could, well, I mean, he's a really good three and D guy that can get thirty. Um, you know, on his own. I th- I think that's that's sort of a different different vibe than just being a three and D guy. But yeah. All right, weird cutout. Uh, never trust the tech, man. That's a teacher tool, too. But uh, shouts to Varun for patching it up best it could. Uh, a couple more things before we get out of here. Uh, Twitter. Was kind of watching Liar Liar the other night. Uh, movie takes me back a bit. I remember watching that with my brother and my dad. Still just as funny. And um, that, that there's something to be said for like a comedy aging that well, when so many comedies have aged just terribly. Uh, liar Liar still absolutely bangs. And it got me thinking, like, is this the funniest role ever from, like, an actor in that role? And uh, people seem to be on that vibe, but, you know, it's easy to say that in the moment. So I had some people kind of crowdsource it out on Twitter. And then the next time Jabari and I pod, which will probably be next Sunday, um, I'll put out a poll during the week and we'll vote it out. But I know, you know, we were both kind of making our list of what will be the five most or funniest individual performances in a movie. And I got three really quick, and then I had, like, 20 almost where i'm like i can make a case for about 20 of these yeah like like most of these lists it's really tough to narrow it down especially when you're talking about five greatest ever like you know it's that's that's an impossible task so i as as usual i'll end up having you know quite a few honorable mentions as well that movie really when was the last time you watched liar liar man it might have been the 90s but here's the deal the re because I, I thought about that when you said it I was I you know I wanted to be a contrarian I wanted to say like ah oh, get out of here but the truth of the matter is part of the reason to me the reason why Jim Carrey movies they still bang is because as much as they re, you know they they relied on the jokes they relied on him as the kid you know like as the joke like his physical comedy is you know it, it it's it's ageless it's timeless it's like it's the reason why you can go back and watch him you know playing Fire Marshal Bill or you know whatever character you know, whatever zany character he played you know like uh, uh, you know uh, during his time within Living Color, uh, so you know while it wouldn't be my be- you know my best, I actually I actually see where you're coming from. Well, and it's funny because like so many comedians rely on like culture to really set their jokes afire, and mm-hmm. culture changes. Whereas yeah. like like you said, Jim Carrey's like self humiliation overacting is its own brand, and it, it's it's not reliant on you know the culture or whims or popular items at the time. And, and I think that's part of why, like, the pen is blue, had me howling. Um, I think part of it's older, too. Like, I definitely, last time I watched it, I was a kid. When he rolls over and he's done sleeping with the partner, and she was like, how was it for you? And he's, I've had better. And and all <laughs> and all day, he's just, like, like rushes, he's, I've had better. And, I, like, I, every time he's saying to himself, I'm laughing, and just, like, it, it's just way more funny when you've like, grown up a little bit and experienced a few things. Mm-hmm. And, uh... You know what the other result of that would be? Yes, yeah. (laughs) As a kid, you're like, "Uh uh-huh. But no, yeah, no, it's much funnier as an adult. But then the other thing is, I'm watching this movie, and uh, what's the actor's name? He's in Princess Brides, his big one, Carl Elwes or something like that? Yeah, Carrie Elwes. Carrie Elwes, okay. He's the boyfriend, right? And he's a bit of a dork. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he's like totally reliable, has a good job, loves the kid. And, like, he's like, well, I love the kid. And she's like, well, you don't do the claw once a month when you're not being a deadbeat dad. 
And I'm and like I rage too because I'm like kind of rooting for for Carrie Ellis watching yep. this as an adult as an adult because you're like Jim Carrey does not deserve a 37th chance and uh, that I mean that was kind of getting a little bit on the heavy side but I'm like yeah it's funny how you're uh, as a kid you're like oh he should be with his dad and as an adult you're like he should just be with a responsible adult who loves him you know perspective perspective age and experience offer perspective one you know it's kind of like how we uh well I, I don't know if you fully switch but it's kind of like how i am you know far more sentimental or you know sensitive towards uh, the plight of johnny you know like in in the karate kid you know universe uh as an adult yeah i mean again that 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 seg or not segue that sequence where where Johnny tells it from his perspective, um, on on how Daniel came to town and interrupted things with his girlfriend and tried to fight him, and <laughs> after he left him alone, like random got got an adult to beat the hell out of him. Like man, yeah. this, poured, this, stu- poured water on his head, you know, yeah. in the bathroom across the board. Hey, that sequence is poetry, man. That is that is a fantastic sequence. Yeah, that, that that okay. So Cobra Kai already had me, but when I saw that, I said, okay, y'all the clowning now. I like this. This, <laughs> but here, here's one for you. I was thinking about, you know, my favorite Jim Carrey performances, and it's not my favorite, but it's up there, and it's, it's you know, he, I, I don't feel like this, this movie you know, gets spoken of very often. Me, Myself, and Irene is so damn funny. Like, I watched that probably about two months ago. I watched it during the quarantine. He's so damn good in that movie, and there are so many one-liners from all, everyone in the cast. It's, it's, it's actually an underrated movie for me. I'm going to have to watch it again because I don't remember enough of it. Like, I, I don't... Like for me, my number two would definitely be the mask. Uh huh. And go, go as an adult, go back and watch me, myself, and I read you. I, I I assure you, you will be busting them. Yeah, I I I'm gonna have to do it. I watched the Cable Man not too long ago, and yeah. I was like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. It, it, um, the cable Guy has a couple scenes. But, yeah, but Cable Guy. Yeah, but beyond that, yeah. Bruce Almighty is still funny too. Bruce Almighty is still quite funny. Oh yeah, that's so good. Um, so with all that in mind, what are you binging? Man, I've been keeping it simple. I went, you know, a couple weeks ago, I started The Walking Dead over again. I'm, like, in season four of that. I'm right in peak Walking Dead uh, and, and loving that. And um, I also restarted Mindhunters with a friend, and it's been uh, it's been really good. A friend? Hey, you yeah. know, we have friends. A lady friend? She does, friend? In fact happen, she does, in fact, happen to be a lady. If, if oh. we're going to go big, if we're going to go big Lebowski, it is a lady friend. <laughs> there we go. Nothing like starting a, a new series with a new lady friend. Hey, that's um, how it goes. Yeah, that is how it goes. Um, the number one reason to rewatch any television show is you got a new significant other, and you'll never, you'll never tell me otherwise. But exactly, it, it gives you all the excuses. Wait, you've never seen The Wire? Hold up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't plan anything this weekend. Don't plan anything this weekend. Yeah. On, on on God, I'm not meeting your mother this Saturday. We are at home yeah. in the recliners watching The Wire season Priorities. one. Priorities, priorities. She'll still be here. <laughs> you, you've never watched a game of chess more invigorating in your life, I promise you. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, I like. I, I started watching Shit's Creek, won all those Emmys. It's Canadian. I feel like it's about time. I watched a few episodes. I kind of ha ha but it is it is quite funny. I mean, it, it, it's quite a funny little sitcom. It's easy to pick up. Um, I went back. I'm 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 still going through my like nostalgia kid. Maybe it's because I'm a teacher around kids all day. But I started watching Dragon Ball Z again too, which oh, wow. So far is really bad, and I'm I'm <laughs> I'm debating pulling the plug. But I thought the same thing about Naruto the first ten episodes. So I'll give it twenty episodes or so. But I'm I'm gonna be out if this is this is the show. Uh, it's the nostalgia. It's one of the few times I've gone back to watch something as a kid and haven't enjoyed much of it at all so far. So we'll see. 
I never caught Dragon Ball Z. I was at that age where it was like, yeah, it's not necessarily for me. Um, even though there's plenty of people my age that were that were in love with it, um, it just it just never grasped you know for me. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I was watching, but I think that's about it, man. That's it's been been slower on TV this week. All right. Well, I mean, you got plenty of time to you know make up for it the rest. Of, you know, once these finals are over. Yeah, man. I mean, we still have no idea really when the next season will be. So, yeah. With that said, though, that's going to wrap us. Um, if you haven't yet. Yeah, I got a, got a bevy of reviews this week. So shout out to you who gave the reviews. I can't remember the buddy's name. Uh, I said if you give me a terrible review, I'd air it out. And I, I aired that out in the timeline. We got one one shining review. God bless you. And we got one guy going in who felt like I was lecturing the audience. And, uh, you know, he's not wrong. So I... <laughs> Speak your truth, friend. Um, if, you have, if, you, if you haven't yet, please like, rate, subscribe, review the pod. We always appreciate it. Truly, honestly, feedback is feedback. And uh, we'll catch you on Wednesday. Jabari, you tentatively had a guest for Wednesday? Uh, yeah, well, I've got, uh, I, t- I have a tentative one, but, but also my buddy Jameson is coming back home. Cool. All right, catch you Wednesday. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open a DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners get $5 off and zero delivery fees for their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash.